It's a cold January night in Staten Island. And a high school football player named Joe comes up to you with a desperate look in his eyes. You say, Joe, what's up? Hey, coach, I just finished up my high school career. I want to play college football, but I haven't been recruited yet. And every college recruiter has told me I'm too slow, I'm too weak, and I'm too chubby. Now, you've seen Joe before. You knew he was a high school football player. He's always wearing his high school football t-shirt as he's working out. He's got the sleeves cut off sometimes. You can see he's been coached up. He bench presses a lot. He'll squat a lot. His form's pretty good. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. Uh, he's always looking in the mirror as he's doing uh, way too many bicep curls. He's doing his tricep pushdowns, trying to see if he's got that teardrop coming down the back of his arm. But Joe has a lot to learn. You say, Joe, what can I do for you, man? What do you need from me? Coach, you got to help me, man. You got to get me on a football field. I want to be jacked up. I want to be shredded. Give me a sick workout program. Let's do it. Now, Joe's heart's in the right place. He's understanding that to be a great football player, you got to appreciate what goes on in a weight room. That training is hypercritical. It's not just about going out there and throwing the ball out and catching it, and that's the way, it sh the way everything's going to work for you. No. If you put King Kong and Bambi on a football field and they line up against each other, 100% of the time, King Kong is going to win. And that, that's if they have the same will and the same skill and the same coaching, King Kong's going to win. I'm sorry. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's going to take that little deer and throw him all over the field. Now, with that, today I'm going to begin the first of a a mini-series of what I'm calling The Secrets of Strength. The Secrets of Strength actually doesn't predominantly focus on training. Believe it or not, what we're going to talk about today is going to be this pyramid that encompasses the secrets of strength. And each layer of this pyramid is going to eventually be broken off into a different podcast. But if you want to get great at training, well, <laughs> that's actually the fourth layer up of the pyramid that we're going to talk about. So what I'm going to do today, I'm going to explain the pyramid. I'll cover a couple of parts in each, a couple of items in each part of the pyramid. And then we're going to eventually break off into much deeper dives on each one of these layers. So first off, why a pyramid? Well, the reason we have a pyramid is that we want to build a strong foundation. And if we build that foundation, it makes the next layer of that pyramid that much easier to accomplish. And why we want to do that? Well, right now, you are all, and myself included, in an age of information overload. If you, turn, if you go to Instagram right now, there are millions of videos of people working out. Some right, some wrong. And there's millions of videos of people talking about the right way to, to uh, eat and to, to focus on your nutrition. And there's people talking about stretching. And there's t people talking about form. And there's people talking about getting shredded and burning body fat. There's all this stuff out there. And if you try and chase all of these goals at the same time, you're not going to achieve any one of them. There's a saying that if you chase two rabbits, you catch none. Well, if you chase everything in this fitness industry, you'll get nowhere. You're just going to end up depressed, broken down, and beaten, and wondering why you're not getting anywhere when you're doing so much. So when we talk about things today, when we talk about the bottom base, like this, this bottom layer of the pyramid, if you nail that layer of the pyramid, it's going to make everything else above it easier. And when I say, uh, you know, we're talking about one thing, it doesn't mean that's the only thing you're going to do. But it's something that you want to focus on the most so that it makes the next step easier. So what is this pyramid? 
Well, for us, the bottom of the pyramid, and I want you to think about this uh, like a giant triangle, and each layer, each uh, this triangle has different layers going across it at the bottom, and then a layer up, and then a layer up. There'll be five different layers as we work our way to the peak of that triangle. And the very bottom of that, the foundation for us, is something that you do 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and that's breathing. So we do it the most. It is the foundation for everything else, but it's often neglected. The second thing on the way up, the next thing after breathing, it's not weight training again. It's sleep. So we, do, we should be doing this 8 hours a day. We're probably not. So it's like the thing that we're doing uh, the second most over the course of our days, but it's often neglected uh, as something that we focus on or care about. The third thing up, still not training, it's nutrition. And we'll get into why that is so critical, and in many ways it's more critical than training. The fourth layer up, finally we've gotten to training. This is what Joe was asking for in the first place. I'm sure Joe could care less about breathing and sleep and nutrition. He just wants to lift big weights. I don't blame him get jacked up. Then the last thing on, on my pyramid in the secrets of strength is recovery. How do you recover from the strength training sessions or the speed sessions that you had? Now the intent of this podcast is to not go in, uh, do a deep dive on each one of these things. We want to cover them at a high level and set the, set, the sto- set the stage for future podcasts. But this is really a good way to at least give you a working knowledge of what's important and what you should be focusing on. And if if you're going to leave this session today, you can go take action immediately, depending on where you think you are in this pyramid. So let's start with thing number one, breathing. Again, breathing is something we do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Properly breathing could impact your metabolism. It could impact your injury rate. It could impact your mobility, your stability, your gains in the weight room, your recovery process, all these things, but we seldom focus on it. Now, I'm going to give you two tips on how to breathe better. Tip number one, and this is stuff you could walk out of this podcast with today and make yourself better. Tip number one, when you are in a a resting state, because this is is for the, the beginners out there, I would encourage you to breathe in and out only through your nose. The simplest of simple reasons is that your nose can act like a filter to all of this uh, polluted air that we're breathing in in Staten Island, right? You have uh, nose hairs, you breathe in through your nose, and you could actually use that as a filter to breathe, <laughs> to, to get rid of all this garbage that we're breathing in some way, shape, or form. Now, breathing out, you may say, hey, coach, you know, what does it matter how I breathe out? Well, there's been studies that have shown that by breathing in and out through your nose, it'll actually uh, enhance your strength gains and overall health. And it's, it's a big topic of conversation now by people way smarter than me that nasal breathing is the way to go. The second thing that I would recommend is breathe, when you breathe in and out through your nose to try and work on expanding your rib cage as you breathe. So instead of having your chest go up and down, you'd want your, your rib cage to go out to the side. This is going to help the way that you breathe properly. Uh, I'd say in some instances it can actually remove some tightness or some imbalances in your body that are going to impact your recovery rates or the way that you're, mo- the way that you're mobilized or the way that you lift. So these are just two little things that you can have that can help you breathe effectively.
Now, why does this even matter when you're not working out? I'm not even going to get into the working out part, but we could talk about that later. Actually, I'll talk about it a little bit right now. By learning how to breathe right now the right way while you're not training, it's going to absolutely help you breathe much better while you are training. So this is just setting the stage for think, the way to breathe properly while you are training, and I'll come back to that later. But the thing that I want to talk about immediately is that when you have this better uh, method of breathing while you are at rest, it's actually going to help you at the next step of this pyramid, which is sleep. So if, uh, just imagine, let's take the simplest example. You have a stuffed nose, right? Or you're sick, you got the cold, a cold, you got the flu. How hard is it to sleep? It's almost impossible to effectively sleep in those conditions. Your nose is running, you can't breathe, and just now take this on a normal basis. If you can't breathe the right way, with or without a cold, you're never going to get a good night's rest. And oddly, sleep is one of the things that most people give up before anything else, right? Ah, I got a big test, I'll stay up all night and study. I got a lot of work to do. I'll stay up all night and do this work. Some people like me would get up super early to do that work. It's been uh, really promoted that sleep is, f is for poor people, right? That's what they say. Sleep is for poor people. Or Jocko Willink wakes up at 4.30. Now look, I am a guy who wakes up at 4 o'clock every morning, but I do value sleep. I wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, but I also go to bed at 8 o'clock at night. Now, quick rule of thumb, if you know the, the average person should be getting somewhere between seven and a half to eight and a half hours sleep. Good sleep. Sound sleep. If you're a young athlete, you should be getting between nine and ten hours sleep. But just think about this, and I did it to myself. I would be a coach. I would work at advanced training, train people till ten, and then go train people again at five o'clock in the morning. Or if you're a, uh, a football coach and you're at football camp, you have your late special teams meeting till about 10, and then you wake the guys up at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning, maybe sometimes 4.30 in the morning, and you have them sprint. But if you do not get enough sleep, you have higher chances of getting sick, you will not burn as much body fat, you will, not, you will have an increased risk of injury, you will have poor judgment, you'll go back to bad habits, and really, your injury is going to get higher because you're going to have bad judgment. Uh, you make bad decisions as you're on a field. You go back to bad habits of moving improperly, and you're going to perform a lot worse. So it's actually been proven that you're you're actually worse at everything if you don't get enough sleep. Unfortunately, it's the one thing that we give up the most. It's like a, a resource that we don't care about all that much. So if you're thinking about the pyramid again, I'm just going to recap just to get us back on track. Breathing is number one. That's the foundation. Sleep is number two. Sleep is number two, and I, I, I can't, I won't go into too much of it now, but I would say don't, uh, sleep aids are not necessarily the answer. In many cases, they don't, either don't give you the right type of sleep, or they'll actually take away your ability to sleep effectively. You really want to get yourself into a nice, calm state, maybe get a good bedtime routine, shut the lights off, don't look at social media, don't watch a scary movie, get yourself in a calm, meditative state before you go to bed. And for me, this is where breathing comes in. When I lay down and go to bed, I close my eyes, I focus on my breathing, I focus on my nasal breathing, and I focus on my diaphragmatic breathing, and that helps me go to sleep. And hopefully, when you nail number one, and you nail number two, then you can begin to put a better focus on nutrition. And remember what I said, if you're sleeping well, it's going to help you burn more body fat. Think about all the time and effort that you put into dieting. If you, don't, if you get five hours of sleep, 
it's going to jack up your metabolism, right? Like you're, you're not going to be able to effectively burn body fat. So you may have the perfect diet, but if you're getting no sleep, it's kind of like driving with one foot on the accelerator and the other foot on the brake. So nutrition, it's only as good as the amount of sleep that you're getting. And then the, your training is only as good as the amount of nutrition that you're getting or the proper nutrition that you're getting. So let's get into nutrition. Let's assume that we're sleeping right. Let's assume that we're breathing right. I want you to remember this phrase that I've mentioned on a, a six-minute Monday a few weeks ago. You cannot out-train your mouth. Now, I was Mr. George cannot out-train your – sorry, Mr. George, I want to out-train your mouth, Mahoney. When I played college football, I was nothing short of a disgrace. I would eat like a savage all the time because in my head it was like, ah, who cares? I'm practicing football, I'm lifting weights, life is good. I'd go out to breakfast with my parents uh, when I was home over winter break or summer break and the waitress would think that, that we were waiting for two or three other people and I was eating, I was, I was ordering for them. Uh, when I was home working with my dad over the summer, they would buy me a bigger bowl so that I could finish an entire box of cereal in one setting. You know, instead of saying, hey, uh, you know, George, why don't you lay off the Fruity Pebbles, they bought me a giant bowl. It was like a, a family-style bowl where you would serve pasta to the entire family out of, and I would dump my thing of Fruity Pump Pebbles or my, you know, my cinnamon toast crunch in there, throw my milk in there. I'm getting sick just even thinking about what I used to eat, but I thought, ah, you know what, I'll just train. I'll just train it off. But that doesn't work. It does not work to try and out-train what you're eating. There's only so much you can train. Your body needs time to recover. And your body, you know, if you are eating the wrong food, you're going to have some form of inflammation. And that inflammation is going to stop your testosterone production. And then you're really just training against yourself. And you're in this vicious cycle of eating more, training more, getting upset, training more, training more. And now you're breaking down your body and you're not getting any gains. So for me, and this is, I guess, for anybody, this is critical advice. If you want to change your physique, the number one thing you could do is change your nutrition. Eat right. Take away all these processed foods. Take away this garbage that you're eating. Eliminate any form of, of liquids that you're drinking other than, I'd say, green tea or water. So people say, well, how much water, man? How much water should I drink? We recommend drinking 0.6 ounces per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 200 pounds, we recommend you drink about 120 ounces of water a day. And that is excluding, this does not include the stuff that you, the water that you would have as part of your protein shakes or uh, a green tea. You know, th these are the, maybe I'd even say some people, if you're not going to put a bunch of garbage in it, coffee is acceptable too. But you want to eliminate things like uh, alcohol, soda, and any beverage that is, uh, that is processed that's not going to be adding nutritional value to what you're doing. And I saw something great in one of these colleges that said, eat your opponent, right? You, you want to think of this food as fuel. If it's in a box and it really wasn't uh, natural to this earth, you're, you really shouldn't be eating it. The only exception for me would be to say uh, maybe protein shakes, but you got to be careful on what you're getting. It's got to be pure. It's got to be some pure, uh, as pure as you can possibly get with a pro protein shake. Go with the company that you trust. I'd also say that not only does it matter uh, what you eat, it matters, I'd say, when you eat it and how you eat it. And when I say when you eat it, I am a big advocate 
of eating before you work out. Not a lot, but just enough to energize your workout. I'm a big fan of having uh, two handfuls of grapes, a little bit of a protein shake, and a little bit of oats to energize me throughout my workout. And I'm also a big fan of after my workout, having a protein shake, having oats, really just to, to fuel my body. I'm also from the school of Dr. Tom, where he's put me on a macro plan, so I know exactly how many carbs I need every day, how much protein I need every day, uh, how much fat I need every day, and it's really helped me sustain a level. I'm, I, you know, since I've seen, I'm probably down somewhere between, uh, I'll say, 15 and 20 pounds of where I was, about 8% body fat from where I was, and really, it was by working out less and eating better. And by the way, that, that, that led to basically a 20-pound weight loss, but the same amount of muscle as per his DEXA scan. So I just got rid of 20 pounds of waste that I was lugging around. So again, it's not what you eat. Sorry, it's not just what you eat. It's when you eat and how you eat it. And the how you eat it part, I'll talk about uh, chewing your food. It is, is really important to chew the food that you're eating. One, because you might actually taste it. Uh... I was a big person who didn't taste anything. I just swallowed. I was like, a, I don't know, like those hungry, hungry hippos. That just that game where they, they clamp their mouth down and I eat food and I wouldn't even realize that I was full. I would just keep eating and eating and eating. Not only that, but it improves in the digestion pro, digestive process to actually chew your food. And maybe, just maybe, if you weren't eating at the rate that I was eating, you might realize you're full before you continue to eat and uh, eat until the point that you want to pass out, which is not a good thing. All right, so now we've covered nutrition, we've covered sleep, we've covered breathing. We finally get to the point that young Joseph wants to get to, working out. Now again, I'm not going to tell Joe day one, hey man, let's skip bench press and let's work on our breathing. No, Joe will leave the gym and never come back again. I'm not going to tell Joe, hey, go home, uh, don't come back until you're religiously getting eight hours of sleep. I'll never see the kid again. He'll think I'm a hack. So what, what we've tried to do is build these things into our training. So before I even get into training, I'm going to get into what we've done to build our cell breathing into our training. At the end of every training session, we have our guys do a, a static stretch, which is where you're stretching in place, and we tell them to hold that stretch for one breath in and out through their nose. They don't know why. We tell them why. They probably don't care. But we've incorporated breathing, or I'll say, I don't know, the, the habit of breathing properly into the training session. We've quietly snuck it in. <coughs> okay, so let's talk about training. Let's talk about some, some critical points. Uh, I'm not going to go through them all, uh, but the things that I want to talk about that, that we could help you regardless of what you're training for. The first thing is that I like to have people focus on what's called a power position. So that means we want to have our head over our shoulders, over our hips. All right, we want to have those things all lined up over each other. That's the power position. So when I said that uh, young Joseph was a pretty well-trained at working out, but not perfect, what I mean is he would back squat. But what I didn't like about Joe when he back squatted is he'd take the barbell out of the rack and uh, he'd start looking down at his feet. And as soon as he did that, he lost that power position. He put his head way out in front of his body, and now he didn't have his head over his shoulders, over his hips. He's lost that power position. So that's something that we like to train when we do anything. 
we do bicep curls, if we do shrugs, we always want to have the head over the shoulders, over the hips. You also heard me last week say a stacked joint is a happy joint. So a stacked joint is a happy joint. So yeah, I'm watching Joe bench press. He's pretty good. He's not perfect, but I could see his wrist leaning all the way back. I could see his elbow not lined up with his wrist. I could see when he gets to the top of his lift, his elbow's not lined up over his shoulder joint, and I could see, wow, this kid's ready to get hurt. So these are the things that we would work out in our training sessions. Now, for us, what Joe needs to realize is that there's a million ways to work out. It's just that our way is not going to make us a bodybuilder. It's not going to make us a CrossFit guy. We're not going to be a long-distance athlete. We're working out to be a football player. So as a football player, the things that I like to work on, and I'm not just saying that when you're in this gym, your, your job is to, uh, I don't know, run a, run a drag route or uh, to make an open field tackle. What you're trying to do in this gym is build the foundation of, of being an athlete who can accelerate, who has power, and that also is not going to get injured. So what are some of the things that we do? Well, if we're thinking about muscular imbalances, we do a lot of unilateral work. So we'll do single leg squats. We'll do single arm bench press. We'll do a lot of that in our lifting sessions. Now, some people have said you should do this uh, before you begin to do what I call, uh, say, bipedal work, where you're squatting off of two legs. Maybe you squat on one leg first. We incorporate both at the same time. So there'll be days where we squat on two legs, days where we squat on one leg, days where we're doing lunges, days where we're doing deadlifts. We just try and incorporate both of those into our system so we can eliminate the chances of injury by working on both sides of our bodies. The other thing that we do is we work on mobility of joints that need to be mobile. So if you're looking at your body, uh, it basically goes in opposite order of mobile slash stable. So your ankle should be mobile, your knee should be stable, your hip should be mobile, your lower back should be stable, your upper middle back should be mobile. So things that we do in the gym, it helps uh, remove the risk of ankle injury is we will constantly work on mobilizing our ankles. It's a, it's a kind of a preventive maintenance to reduce the likelihood of you getting hurt, but it also, that mobility in that area is helping you get your body into better positions. Oftentimes, when people break down on a squat, it may not always be because they don't have enough strength. It could be because they don't have enough mobility. Or maybe people can't deadlift the right way because they can't get to the barbell because their ankles or, or their hips are too immobile. So we're constantly working on those things to help them get into a better position. Something else that we do in the gym is that we work on what I would call the tripod foot position. Meaning that imagine that you're going to squat or deadlift. You don't want to have this big flat mushy foot going into the ground like melted ice cream. You want to work on having essentially the tripod at the bottom of your foot, like right underneath your big toe, right underneath your pinky, right underneath your heel, those spaces should be pressing into the ground because for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction. So I want to be able to push my foot down, which is going to help me squat up. When I deadlift, I want to push my foot through the ground and help me deadlift the weight up. And these are things, these are basic building blocks that we treat, treat uh, we teach as part of the training process. The other thing that I like to teach is when we're doing push-ups or bench press is that we really don't want the elbows to flare out. For us, 
When you have the elbows tucked in tight, it helps you recruit your back muscles, your triceps. It really becomes a full body movement. Again, this is for push-ups and bench press. But I also say as a football player, it puts you in a position that more closely resembles what you're doing on a football field. If my arms are wide on a football field and I'm an offensive lineman, I'm either getting called for holding or I'm getting jacked up. If my arms are wide and I'm a defensive lineman or a linebacker and I'm taking on a blocker, you're going to be pancaked, right? So we really want to work on getting those hands close to our body and really think about pressing ourselves away from the weight or away from the floor as we do our push-ups and our bench press. And again, I want to remind everyone that we do not work out to look like a bodybuilder. Yeah, we're going to do some stuff to get your muscles big. We're going to have days where we, we get a good pump in our arms so we look good in our uniforms. But we are predominantly working out to become a better athlete. And I like to, to say that training is restraint, meaning we shouldn't be going into every session trying to get completely and to totally burnt out. A guy in our gym will say that you want to stimulate, not annihilate. So we really want to get into the gym, fast in, fast out. We want to work on our movements and build this basis of strength. And we want to be able to do it in a way that we feel good enough that when we leave the gym, we can work out again. You don't want to work out so hard that you are completely burnt and can't get back in the gym again. You don't want to turn your weight training session into a conditioning session. Now, there are places that do that. I know CrossFit in certain some schools does that. We don't do that. We are not doing this to become professional powerlifters. So my goal is not to have you deadlift 800 pounds or squat 800 pounds by putting you in certain positions that will allow you to get that weight up uh, because you are biomechanically advantaged. Now, I mean, we're going to do that. I'm not going to put you in a position to, to kill yourself in the gym, but I'm not going to put you in a squat suit. I'm not going to have you wear wrist wraps. I'm not going to do any of those things. We want you to be as natural as possible because we do want it to carry over to a football field. So when you think about the people in the gym, they're going to be more jacked up than you because they're working on hypertrophy predominantly and they're bodybuilders. They're going to lift more weights than you because they are power lifters. They may hang clean more than you because they are working on Olympic lifting. Our goal is to take the best features of each one of those things and put it into it an athletic performance. And it's very hard to do, you know, to say that whatever you're going to do in the gym is going to necessarily carry over 100% into the uh, onto the football field. But for us, that we're trying to get it as close as at least have general physical preparedness to get you as close as possible to a to becoming an athlete and not just some jacked up guy who's all show and no go or a jacked up immobile guy who can't move. Uh, he's jacked. But he's like, I don't think they call him the thing. He's like that guy who's like all bricks from, uh, from Marvel Comics. Uh, we don't want to be like that either. We want to be a guy who's flexible, who's mobile, and who can continue to keep moving while they're lifting or they're playing. This now takes us to the final level of this pyramid, which is recovery. So, from a recovery standpoint, it's essentially we did all this training. We broke the body down. Hopefully we didn't break it down to a point where uh, we're completely and totally exhausted and our body, body's totally inflamed. But now we want to recover so we can get back and train again. So a couple of things that we do after our lift. One is we stretch. While we're stretching, as I said before, we will tell people to breathe in and out through their nose. We're trying to sneak the breathing back in. 
the other part of this is that we want to get our parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system back in check. You lift, you get all geeked out, you're jacked up, you're ready to go. You don't want to leave with your body in that state. Recovery can't start until you calm down. So that's another reason why we work on these breaths. Now, stretching right after a lift is really probably not the most optimal time to stretch. It's also not really a form of recovery if you are breaking down muscles. But I'd say, you know, it, we do it to really just plant the seed of, okay, it's a, it's a mechanism. It's a way for us to begin to get the parasympathetic nervous system back in check and begin the recovery process. Something else that we do is we will often hang. So we want, uh, let's imagine that you're hanging from a pole. You're not actually doing a pull-up. You're just hanging from the pole as if you were at the end of a pull-up or the beginning of a pull-up. By the end of a pull-up, I mean you've come all the way up and you're hanging down. So imagine you're hanging from a pole. Let's not overcomplicate this. This will two, do two things. One, it will decompress the spine. If you've been doing back squats or even hang cleans, you've probably had a lot of weight on the, on the upper part of your body. So this is decompressing your spine. But it's also removing any form of shoulder impingement that you've had. You know, maybe you've been bench pressing or overhead pressing or doing snatches, whatever it is, you, by hanging from that pole, you're now decompressing the spine, you're getting impingement out of the shoulder, and guess what you should be doing while you're hanging? Breathing. That's right. You want to work on your nasal breathing as you're hanging. Also, it's been shown that if you have extremities over your heart, it will uh, enhance lymphatic drainage and that lymphatic drainage starts to, I'll say, uh, escalate the recovery process. So the other thing that we do is we lay on a decline machine with our feet over our heads. You put your feet in the, the decline machine. You put your arms up. And when I say up, I mean they're over your head, but they're basically facing towards the ground because you're on a decline bench and your head is now below your legs. But again, your extremities are below your legs. And guess what you should be doing there? Working on your breathing. If you do all this stuff, then you have now put yourself in a position to hopefully not be sore. You put yourself in a position where you've figured out how to breathe properly, which should hopefully help you sleep better. And if you sleep better, more often than not, it'll help you make the right nutrition choices. And if, because you know, when you lose sleep, you start to make bad decisions on what to eat. And if you have the right nutrition choices, it should help you fuel your training. So you see how this pyramid starts to become like a nice, a positive cycle. Not a vicious cycle of horribleness, but a positive cycle that constantly reinforces itself. So, if we think about Joe again, he comes in, he says he wants to do training, but he's really only covered one small part of this pyramid. This pyramid that's going to make him the optimal athlete. So with that, this is the end of our first part of this mini-series. Just a quick recap. Training is not the end-all and be-all to optimal performance. It is one piece of the puzzle. It is obviously, in many people's minds, the most important piece of the puzzle. So you can't just walk up to an athlete and tell them, ah, look, forget about hitting the weights. We're just going to work on your sleep. But the truth is, you need to find creative ways to enable every other piece of this pyramid. You need to be able to, to, to get subtly get breathing in. You need to set training times so that sleep is possible. If you're training your guys at 4 o'clock in the morning and 10 o'clock at night, they have no shot. There's no way they're getting 8 hours of sleep. Do the math. If you want to get nutrition in, 
uh, as part of what they're doing. Make sure they bring a protein shake shake to the gym. At least you'll know that. At least you'll know that at a, at a minimum that they're getting the right nutrition immediately after they lift it. If you really want to go uh, super duper th thorough work with them, have them take a food log and put it into MyFitnessPal and you can check what they're eating. Check their body fat. Check, check their weight this way that they're forced to talk to you about what they're eating or not eating. Obviously, if you've trained with me, you, you know we do things like have a training log. So that, that seems to be the thing we focus on the most, but we're forgetting about uh, all the other stuff. And lastly, use the end of your training sessions as a recovery period that can help them not only recover, but set the stage for how to properly breathe, which would then hopefully enable them to get a better night's sleep. If you like this podcast, uh, please go on to Apple iTunes and subscribe. You can go on Anchor and sub subscribe. Leave a rating if you will. I know it will help drive more traffic to the site and help spread the word. And stay tuned because my plan is over the next, I'd say, uh, several weeks to do deep dives on each one of these buckets. I'm super interested in sleep. That may be the very next one that I do. Uh, and even nutrition. One of those two is coming up next. So uh, stay tuned. These things will be coming up. Thank you. Goodbye.